This is the Leading Second Podcast, where we're on a mission to raise up uncommon church builders and be the kind of leaders our pastors would kill to have on the team. The Leading Second Podcast releases every Thursday morning, so hit subscribe, share this with your team, and let's join Pastor Brandon Stewart for another vital conversation for all of us who lead from the middle. Welcome back to season four of the Leading Second podcast. My name is Clark. I'm one of the team members here at Leading Second. And I got to say, I'm so glad you've joined us for this episode today. We've got a returning member, Pastor Joshua Bingle, and uh, he's brought one of his team members as well. So uh, you're not going to want to miss it. But before we get into the episode, we are going to take another listener question. You know, we have people all the time reaching out to us through Instagram and Facebook with questions and comments um, regarding Leading Second and what's going on in their church world. So Brendan took some time to, to talk with one of our listeners. Uh, so let's take a moment and take this question. Well, I have Stephanie here from Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, say what's up to everybody, Stephanie. Hey, Brandon. Hey, everyone. We're so glad to connect today. I'm so, I can't wait to ask you a question. I've been dying to ask you. Oh, gosh. And it's been a minute since we caught up, but I, I love you. I love your house and your your church. And you were actually on a uh, recent episode of the podcast as well, which I think is probably low-key one of my favorites of the season. So you, you, uh, you lead in a very, very key role in your church, a, a, a thriving growing church in Charlotte. Why don't you tell everybody about that really fast? Yes. So I'm Stephanie Blanton from Freedom House Church in Charlotte, North Carolina, and have been serving on staff for almost seven years. I'm the executive director of ministries, as well as our central campus pastor, along with my husband, Aaron Blanton. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, talk to us about the question I guess you had on your mind recently. So the question I've been um, just, you know, rolling around in my mind is what are the ministry multipliers? In other words, what is the best thing that I can do with my time to grow the ministry? You know, it's yeah, it's such such a a good question for now, because your church, if you're listening to this today, your church is either potentially in a real growth mode out of this season we've been in, or it may not be showing up yet, but you're still growing. We've talked about that a little on the podcast, but in whatever way, great things are happening. Even if it's underground, great things are happening in the local church right now. And what a great time for us to all be focused on increasing our leadership capacity and being multiplier. So I, I loved your, your question. Obviously, this could vary by church size, by situation, by circumstance, but I do have a big thought that I believe will help any leader listening today. First thing is, would be this. I want to remind you, people will do what you say, but they will become who you are. If your job is to just have a bunch of taskmasters around you, then call them up get on a zoom call and give them a to-do list and they'll go do it, but you won't have leaders. You'll have a bunch of people doing tasks for you. So if you want to be a multiplier, which is the nature of your question, Stephanie, 
you are going to need to raise up some people who become leaders, who become who you are. In other words, you're not just looking for task delegation. You're looking for leader transformation here. I will warn you, there is no miracle grow for leaders. So if you want leaders today, you should have been doing this about two years ago. And if you weren't, shame off you. The best time to start then is today. This will be a little bit of a slow build, but in time, you can see some great fruit and some great multiplication, I believe, if you'll if you'll put this thought into practice. I would say that one one thing in our in our growth modes at church, even in our you know meetings where we have to give account for what we've been doing, I think something that we greatly overlook, Stephanie, is what I would call the do life with factor with the key people in our world. It sounds so simple. It sounds so almost something so easy to overlook. I, I sh- if I'm going to be productive, I should be in a training meeting. You know, I should be, I should be on a zoom call with them. We should have an agenda. You know, we should have a, someone taking notes, you know, and, and like we, that, that's our one, um, thought of, of being productive, But there's another factor. If you're looking for transformation, leadership transformation in the lives of the people around you, you're really looking for for them to take on an aspect of who you are. You want to rub off on them in some way. You want something that's on you to get on them, some way of thinking, you know, some habit, some rhythm, some culture, some value that is transferred by proximity and that's transferred over time. Something that hit me recently, Stephanie, I've been using this in a message recently when I've been different places, but, um, when I was 20 years old, I was a youth pastor and, uh, I had no business being a youth pastor at 20 years old. In fact, I look at 20 year olds now and I'm like, Oh my gosh, that anybody entrusted their students to me when I was 20 is beyond me. You know, I think I took a mission trip of like 15 young people to England when I was 23 years old. I'm like, I, I, what in the world was I thinking, you know, doing this anyways, I, I give no stock in that season of my life to my leadership ability. Um, but I will tell you, um, the one thing about me in that season was I loved God. I loved his house and I loved ministry. I've never felt differently. Like I feel today, like I did then about ministry and I was probably a horrible leader, but I had a core leadership team in our youth ministry. I don't know if it was seven, eight, nine, ten. 10, you know, key young people older in high school. And one thing we did do well was we did life together. You know, I gave them rides to youth and they were around me. They were at my apartment. I was single at the time, you know, um, one of them, even their, their dad passed away and I was there at the hospital, you know, the, the, the night or the morning after he passed. And I mean, we were, I just did life with them, did my best to be salty, to rub off on them. And it hit me recently, Stephanie, as I was just, you know, locked up in COVID over the last year and more on Instagram, connecting with some people from the past and all that. It hit me the other day. That every single one that I can tell every single one of our key youth leadership team, this is 20 years ago. Now, every single one of them is still in ministry today that we're in kind of our airspace in that season. And I, I look back and honestly, I'm kind of proud of it. I don't take all the credit for it, but I, I got a little bit of fruit out there in them, you know, 20 years on, 
But you know what? It just, it just hit me. It, it couldn't have been because of my leadership ability. It just, it just would have been impossible. Maybe there's more to this doing life with factor than we realize. There's another season of ministry where I really needed some leaders around me where I um, really got intentional. My Lindsay and I came into agreement a couple nights a week. We set aside to just do life with our key leaders in our world. Honestly, we went through our schedule and every week filled up these, these agreed upon nights of the week with dinners and hangouts and movies and whatever with the key people in our world. And we did it as a rhythm. We, 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 we did it. We did it consistently. And we really began to see the needle move in terms of leaders being raised up in our ministry. I think because we just spent time with them. So I know that is a really, really simple answer. I just think it's something that we overlook. And right now in this season, COVID season, I think people are hungrier for it than they've ever been. And, and here's your job as a leader. If you're going to spend time with people, you're just sure you can take them out to a movie or you can go to a restaurant or you can go to the mall. I mean, sure you can do all of those things, but your job as a leader, anytime you're with someone is to be salty. Your job is to rub off on them in some way, even ask God before, before the media. I did this before my, my work calls today. And I said, God, give me a moment today to just say the word in season, as it says in Isaiah, to the one who is weary right now, give me the word to say in the moment you need me to say it today. You know, and, and I think if you'll do that and you'll approach those times intentionally, and then of course you combine that with the right training and the right meetings, I believe you'll begin to see the needle move because people will do what you say, but they will become who you are. So if you want to multiply what God has done in your life and in you and others, it's going to take some time. I would say combine right people with the right rhythm of relationship. And I believe you'll see the needle move. Wow. That is just a little thought. I know I came to you looking for some magic pill and you just, <laughs> just go do life with some people. <laughs> exactly. Do life with some people, um, you know, connect with them, get to know them. Um, help them find purpose. That's, you know, that's what I love to do. I love to help people find purpose. And, you know, I think you talked a little bit about spending time with them. What are the purposes for those meetings? Like, what do you go to those meetings to do? Are you just connecting? Like you talked about going to the movie, you could take them there, but what's the purpose coming out of that? Like, how do you know that's a win? My thought is that people are the most receptive when their guard is down. Mm. when they've laughed, when they've shown you around their house and told you about the pictures they have hanging on the wall, when you just saw a movie, both of you were dying to see whatever, when their guard is down, what I've noticed is I'll, I'll usually ask God for wisdom and I'll usually try to take a conversation to not, not with like too much of an agenda, but I'll try to take a conversation to a place um, where I just believe it could be helpful to them. And I'll often end the time with say, Hey, I just want to give you a thought, you know, before we, before we go our separate ways tonight and just sprinkle it with some salt and let, or, you know, scatter some seeds, so to speak, and then believe that God's going to take that and grow something new in their life. There's, there's a key guy in my world right now, you know, that, that he and his wife moved, uh, here to join our leading second team. And we often, honestly, a lot of our meetings are we like go and work out 
or we go, we go take a walk somewhere or we drive somewhere or, you know, whatever. But those, those to me are as productive as the times, um, where we actually sit down in my office for a meeting. So you're combining, you're combining the saltiness and the low guard that they have in the social time with then the productivity of a formal meeting time. That to me is like a, like the dynamic duo with the two, if that makes sense. That's good. I think, I feel like what you're saying is relax and enjoy ministry. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe we all need to do a little bit of that right now in this season. Okay, Stephanie, thanks so much for your call. We love you guys so much. All right. Thank you. Have a good one. Well, for today's interview, we're excited to welcome back Pastor Joshua Bingle to the episode, and he's got a team member with him, his operations executive, Taylor Purcello. They sit down with Brandon Stewart and they talk about personal health when it comes to your relationship with your pastor. So let's jump into the conversation. Well, hey, a big welcome back to the podcast today to my good friend, Pastor Joshua Bingle, lead pastor of Genesis Church in Spokane, Hello, Washington. Everybody. You are our most frequent guest, our most loved guest. We love you. I think you are absolutely brilliant. Thank you for always uh, adding value to our tribe. We love you. I love you. It's an honor to be here. And I love that I get to be Joy Behar. <laughs> Still rocking it. Still rocking it. Well, and you're like the person that I text all of my weird half-baked ideas to because I'm a verbal processor and I need that. And so thank you for just receiving with open arms and telling me things are good when they probably are terrible actually. Uh, but I, I appreciate you being that in my world and Hey, I am so excited today uh, to have another member of the Genesis team joining us for this conversation today. Uh, Taylor Purcello, who is the operations executive at Genesis. Say what's up to everybody, Taylor. Hey everybody. How's it going family? You know, and, and I know a lot of people who've listened to any number of episodes on the podcast would would be familiar, Josh, with you. Uh, Taylor, though, I, I would want to let everybody know, has been a part of our Leading Second team for, for quite a while now and contributes in different ways over the course of time. And I absolutely love you, Taylor, as a as a leader in the middle, as as someone who holds up your pastor's arms in the way that you do. You're so special. You get it. You, you get leading second at a revelatory level. You know, this isn't just an, a good idea to you. This is a revelation. I just want you to know, respect you so much and value your voice and, um, what we're going to talk about today. And in fact, um, this conversation we're going to have today, I'm so excited to have it. I, I, I just need to let you guys loose and let you guys talk uh, because Taylor, you said something in a meeting one day that absolutely arrested my attention. And this conversation has been sitting on the back burner ever since then. So really excited. Uh, today, the the big question we're going to um, chase down a bit is the question, uh, I want to pose this to you guys. What impact does my personal health have on my relationship with my pastor? Does does how I'm doing on the inside affect anything? You know, affect uh, certainly the the number one that re, the number one relationship that matters to all of us as leaders in the middle, which is the relationship we have with our lead pastor. And um, I think the answer is obvious, but there's a lot there 
to uh, unpack that we'd like to get to today. I want to remind everybody, first of all, of what uh, Jesus taught us in Matthew chapter 7 and in verse 17 through 20. Uh, teaching, he said this, likewise, every good tree bears good fruit. A bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree, of course, cannot bear bad fruit. A bad tree cannot bear good fruit. I just love, he just breaks it down, makes it clear. And then verse 19, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Very sobering. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. I just love that it's clear. You make the tree good and the fruit will be good. That the kingdom and the healing whole work that the kingdom does, it starts on the inside. And um, in this season of the podcast, I just feel led to go to these basement issues, these root issues. We're not going to talk about fruit issues today. We're going to talk about root issues today and get to some things that I think have an impact. So I guess just going to lob a first question out, then we're going to get into the the meat of this thing today. Uh, I'd love to hear from you guys. Just what impact do you believe personal emotional health has on the relationship that you have with your pastor? I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts on that. Yeah, I was going to say, it, I think it has everything to do with the way that you are interacting with your pastor and people around you. I think of when I think of a tree with roots, um, we just had a windstorm here in the city where we live and there were trees falling down left and right from this, you know, 70 mile an hour winds. And they were saying it's because the roots were just not deep enough. They were shallow. They were weak. They right. were um, disintegrating into the ground. And so, so much of that is like ministry light, right? Like we are trees, and if we don't have deep, robust, thick roots into the ground, like the next time that wind comes, like it's going to knock us, it's going to knock us right over. And you better believe in ministry. There's a lot of wind. So I think it's, it's first and foremost, it's critical. It has everything to do with your, with your health and your church, the relationship with your pastor. Like if you're not well, you're not whole, you're not healthy. Those roots aren't just deep, deep, deep into that soil. Like you're, you're going to fall over. Yeah. And, and we, we said a lot of these kind of things in 2020 as if it was just isolated to 2020, you know, and then I saw the meme that came out, you know, 2021 basically said to 2020, hold my beer. And if, if we can't tell, we're, we're in a season right now where the winds are blowing a bit. In fact, we had that same windstorm on this side of the mountain uh, as well. And um, we just bought a new house last uh, last summer. So we've, we've not been through a, a winter. Of course, everybody you want to buy, we bought this house with a green belt, you know, right by it and behind it and all that. And that's what everybody wants, except when you get a windstorm. And all of a sudden I was like, well, about to see if these trees are worth anything because thankfully they all stood, you know, but like I, I'm out there looking at them going, okay, let's see what you're made of. Uh, let's see what the roots are going to handle here. So point well taken when the wind blows, which the wind is blowing right now, um, it's going to be testing all of our root systems. So Here's the what I really wanted to get to today. Let's just dive in. Taylor, in a meeting a few months ago, we were talking, and you brought up a term to me that honestly gave me new language. It, it revolutionized a way I think about something, and it is the term secret contracts. We're going to talk about this for probably quite a while here for a minute today. Secret contracts. And um, maybe, Josh, you can get us started on this. I'd love for you, first of all, to define for us, what is a secret contract? Because this is something, whether we know it or not, we've all 
seen in our relationships with others, certainly in our relationship with our pastors. Yeah. Secret contracts are there. Today is not a question of, do I have secret contracts so much as um, under which secret contracts am I operating? And a secret contract is simply an agreement that you have made with somebody that they are totally unaware of. Um, in like premarital counseling, we, we call it, we used to call it unspoken expectations, um, things, expectations you have going into marriage that you haven't verbalized because you were afraid that it would be rejected. You're afraid of like, you know, societal pressure or f- familial pressure or things that you actually had expectations, but you didn't voice them. And so stuff starts to grow and fester under the surface. Um, in fact, the language secret contracts, there's a therapist in our church that I was having coffee with and he was talking about, uh, marital counseling, like counseling people whose marriages were struggling. And he said, my entire job with that is unearthing the secret contracts in their marriage. And I was like, excuse me, what, what did you just say? And, uh, he's like, yeah, they, everybody has them. And we just, in order to have health. And so we're talking about personal health. And I know, um, Taylor's on here today too, because we really want you on the other end of this podcast in your AirPods or in your car, um, to be healthy. Um, we're going to talk a lot about getting it right with your pastor and getting it right for your team. But, but all of that language is also because we want you to be healthy and get it right and live with your best contribution in mind. So Taylor has some great, um, Taylor, if you could like con compare and contrast contracts and, and covenants, if I could, if that's okay, Brian, if I could throw it to her. Um, because she has some great thoughts on the difference between these two things. Yeah. So they, they differ in, in a few areas. And so contracts are essentially made by the exchange of promises. And so covenants are, are, um, a lot more, you know, directed toward an exchange of, um, love and it, it's just, a, it's got a deeper type mm. commitment. Um, there's more grace involved with a covenant. A contract is, it, it can be one-sided. It can be very, I mean, obviously, you know, contractual, what are the terms of the contract? Right. It can be, feel very void of um, just like an intimacy. Whereas, whereas a, a covenant in my mind, I, I see a lot more uh, grace and, and love and yeah. freedom, freedom. There's freedom within, within a covenant, whereas a contract, um, it, it's more, what, what am I giving you? And what are, what are you giving me? Um, if, right. if that makes sense in my, in my mind. Yeah. Contracts are really based on like mistrust. Covenants yeah. are based on trust. Contracts are based on mistrust. I don't mm-hmm. trust that you're going to uphold your end of the bargain. So I'm going to put a legal agreement in place. Whereas mm-hmm. covenants are very much based in trust and love and belief in the other. And so with a contract, you're assuming someone's going to break it. Mm-hmm. Like that's why you have to have it in place. You're, right. you're assuming they're not right. going to uphold their end of the bargain. Yeah. I was going to say, you know, contracts are, are often driven by, you know, self-interest. What am I getting out of this? Whereas covenants are driven by, by loyalty and sacrificial love. And so yes. just holding what those, can I those give things to like you? self-interest, self-motivation, or what can I do for you? How can I build you? How can I love you well? You know, I, I thought this concept of secret contracts was so brilliant because, um, and all that's very well said, by the way, the, the difference between the two, but the idea of a secret contract was so helpful to me because, um, 
This gave me language as to why at times we can experience offense in ministry. I heard it said recently, if we, if we want to, if we're not sick of it yet, if we want to use a kind of a COVID analogy in this, you know, when, when the virus hit, everyone's um, language, every concept was about preventing you from getting the virus, right? Stay at home, maintain distance, use hand sanitizer till your hands are shriveled up and look like they're 90, you know, or something like, like that. The, the language was don't get the virus. But let's be honest, in spite of people's best efforts, there is a percentage of our population that has and will get the virus because it's just simply unavoidable. And so I, I heard I heard someone say this one time that the one thing we haven't been talking about that we should be talking about from the beginning is how to boost everyone's immune systems, meaning don't just try to not get it prepare for if you do get it. And I have a point with all this, you know, that, that if, if you experience this, um, that your body would be healthy enough to fight this off. So the number one thing that we won't be able to avoid in ministry is offense. You can, you can, you can give it your best shot. You can live and walk with integrity and you can treat others with love. I mean, you can have all nine of the fruits of the spirit operating. You can, you can do everything you can do and you are still going to experience moments of offense in ministry. It's just a virus you're going to get at some point. And, and, and to me, this is like a root of like where it comes from that I didn't realize it, but I am operating off of a secret contract that my pastor or someone in my life doesn't even know that they're breaking. And it, to, to me, it just helped me to realize um, I've got to watch this. I've got to watch this. So I'd love to hear you guys talk for a minute. Like, how do we even spot these? How do we even know that we're that we have secret contracts because no doubt at some point we will end up developing this potentially. Yeah. It's a great question. I think one of the most obvious things to me is, is when offense comes because it will come. And mm. when offense comes, we're offended because we most often it's because we didn't receive something that we felt like we were owed. Mm. And, right. and I have to ask myself that question Am I operating under a secret contract? Am I holding someone to terms of an agreement that they don't know about, they didn't agree to? Very often, the terms of the contract you're holding someone to, like even a spouse, things that we expect from them, they're not even capable of giving to us. But mm. we feel like it's owed to us. And so that I would say you might be operating under a secret contract. And it's a good question to ask if you're, if you experience a moment of offense, the way somebody said something to you, the way they didn't show up, something they did do something they didn't do. And it, and it just really has offended you. There's a very high chance that you have a secret contract with that person. Wow. Yeah. I would also wow. say if you feel, if you feel any kind of resentment in your heart, if you feel like, like there's just this edge, maybe this hardness towards that person, when they come to mind, you just get like, like you just get agitated. Like it's something's off. You just feel, you feel a little bit of grossness inside. Um, that's that offense. And so that's that, that root of bitterness might be taking place because what you feel was owed to you has not been delivered. And so now you feel like there's a deficit inside. 
something's missing yeah. that, that should be there. What are, what are some of the common secret contracts you guys will see? I know we have a couple we're going to talk about here specifically in a minute, but what are, what are some of the common ones look like? The biggest one for me would be, um, time and access. If you know, oftentimes a secret contract that can be held is you expect someone to call you every day or check in with you every day, text you, uh, could be a leader, could be your pastor. If you're not hearing from your pastor consistently, you're not hearing from your leader consistently. Um, this, this expectation you hold towards them of, well, I expect you to shepherd me. I expect you to, to, mm. to watch over me. I expect you to constantly be in my corner. I expect you to be my caretaker to make sure right. I'm good at all times. And if you're not, um, that's, I'm not okay with that. Like I'm expecting you to take care of me. And when you're not taking care of me, you broke your contract. That's, that's oftentimes the biggest one that I experience yeah. in, in my world. And to be clear, secret contracts aren't necessarily composed of bad things, right? They're just composed of unspoken right. things. Right. Yep. right. Some of the terms of the contract are very reasonable but we don't speak them because maybe we haven't identified them. Here's my experience. We don't speak them because we haven't identified that there's a secret contract. We haven't done the, the work of personal health and introspection to know what are the deficits in my life that I might be expecting to get from a leader. And some things they they are very capable of providing. Like as pastors, mm. we are to shepherd and care for and yes. lead. And, and so that there's nothing wrong with desiring that, but maybe, maybe your definition of what those things are is wildly different from what your pastor's definition is. And so mm -hmm. like Jesus, maybe, maybe your pastor having compassion on you, like in Mark chapter six, Jesus is moved with compassion. He gets out of a boat and sees a bunch of people. He's moved with compassion. Why? Because they're like sheep without a shepherd. And so he taught them. Yeah. And so maybe what you're expecting is, I'm going to be getting all of this stuff. And maybe what your pastor is giving you is teaching, but that's, but that's not the terms of the contract that you wrote that they never agreed to. Mm -hmm. So they're not necessarily composed of bad things, just unspoken things that if not identified and dealt with will lead, they'll drive wedges and you start assuming things. We'll get into this later. Um, but, but maybe they're unspoken because you haven't identified them. Maybe you're embarrassed by them that it's a very real thing that, that you desire and need, but because of like um, societal pressure or familial pressure or like cultural pressure in the house, it kind of embarrasses you that you need this thing. Mm -hmm. But the reality is until you deal with it and identify it and name it, it's going to, it is there. It is there. Um, or the third thing, maybe, maybe you know that the other party won't agree to the terms mm -hmm. of the contract. And so it's much easier wow. to leave it unspoken in here with this hope that maybe one day they'll come around. It's like the guy mm. who's in love, you know, like the nerdy kid in all the movies who's in love with the girl next door. She's like the prom queen. And rather than asking her out and risking the chance that she says no, he just pretends that one day she's going to fall in love with him. Yeah. That's a secret contract. And we often, we know the, the other party won't agree. And so we just don't speak it. Because it's better to have a hope in our heart that my, that my pastor will be my best friend and come to all my birthdays than for him to be like, I, I, I can't do that for you. Mm -hmm. Like, I just, I can't be that person. But the, but the reality is, is that secret contract is there. And even if you know the other party won't agree to it, if you're operating under that contract, it is, it is going to 
massively wow. affect your own personal health, your ability yep. to lead your family, yourself, and your church. Mm-hmm. Amen. Well, and, and I think one of the major ways that it ends up impacting us is we end up doing what's called collecting interest. Uh, the contract isn't met. Like, talk to us about what the interest looks like. Yeah. So if you have a secret contract and your terms of that contract are not being met, you might start collecting interest. And so this could start with that bitterness. We talked about that resentment in your heart, but just continually grows and grows and grows. It's like a debt that's just stacking up and up. And, and it's a debt that the other person is not ever going to be able to repay. They're not going to be able to pay on that interest. Um, they, they were never aware of the terms in, in the first place. And so when those terms are continually unmet, um, those resentments continue to build in your heart. And then all of a sudden you just have this big mess of hurt, this Mm. big mess of frustration stemming from what you feel is owed to you. And so every time you interact with that person, you talk with that person, like you view them from that filter of hurt, um, because you've just been collecting interest on, on these terms that have never been met. And then there's this, this, this debt and this deficit in that relationship. Yep. Um, and that's when, you know, friendships are broken up, people split. It's that's when, you know, people make, um, pretty significant, you know, decisions on just, they, they just didn't have a conversation or those, those expectations, those terms were never discussed or agreed or agreed upon or brought out into the open, what we just talked about, um, and then there's those those permanent ramifications of that interest not being. Yeah. You, you know, it's when the interest comes due, you know, when the payment comes due and no payment is made and the contract goes into default. Um, I think this is when we see people leave churches. And, and I, I, I know what we're talking about today is a gut check. Like I know, I know that this is like, this is pretty strong. And I think we recognize that, but I think we have to go here right now because 2020 and this season that we're in, um, my bold statement is that way too many people left churches that shouldn't have left churches in this season, um, for a variety of reason. But I think, there were a lot of secret contracts out there that came due in people's hearts in this season and the payment wasn't made. It was like my pastor should have talked about race more. My pastor should have talked about race less. My pastor should have talked about politics more. My pastor should have talked about politics less. Do you see the impossible situation we've been in You know, this year? It was just really difficult for me to see people leave churches over race conversations when joining the conversation, race conversations were never in play. I think that's what was so heartbreaking to me was to see the sheer amount of secret expectations and contracts were out there. And, um, and it, and it led, I think to a lot of uprooting. I just read the the study again this morning that was done in March in, uh, May, 2020, which um, imagine how things have progressed even since May of 2020. Um, you know, but at that point saying 50% of church going millennials had left their church, you know, not, not even transitioned to online left. And, and it just is staggering to me. And I pray for anyone who's listening, who's a part of the remnant in the church of this season, who's willing to listen to a leadership podcast like this 20 minutes in or something 
that I hope that this gives you pause to ask the Holy Spirit to search your heart for any secret contracts that exist, because I believe there is freedom for you in the name of Jesus. Like there, like you can find wholeness and healing uh, for those areas. And that does not have to be your story um, because you're, you're hearing from someone right now. And I know Josh and Taylor, you would echo this, but I haven't stayed planted in the same local church for almost 40 years because it, it was easy the whole time. You know, I, without having your brilliant language here, I realized I had to fight through these things continually to stay in the place God had assigned for me. Um, okay. I want to talk about two uh, really specific contracts that I think we face. Pastor Josh, I'm coming your way. Um, the first secret contract I know that you have on your heart to talk about, it's a big deal uh, for leaders, is what we've called the service for influence contract. Talk to us about the service for influence secret contract. Yeah, we were trying to identify and like give names. Like when you sign contracts, you have like, you know, letters of intent or purchase agreements, or there's always a name to whatever the contract is. And so we wanted to get as specific as we could um, to just help. Because what I know is that if you're listening to this and you're sitting in resentment, it didn't start that way. Like nobody goes right. into a marriage going, man, I can't wait till we get divorced. Right. And like nobody joins a church going, I can't wait until I'm sitting in resentment. Like you hate it and you don't know where it came from. Like, I just so burdened for this mm -hmm. because you all of a sudden it was like awesome. And then it wasn't anymore. And you, you, and you don't know why, and it breaks your heart and you don't love that you view your church this way and your team this way. And the people that you have, you've sweated with and cried with and, and you wept and you prayed and all of a sudden they feel like they're distant and there's a wedge. And I want that for you. And you don't want that for you. And, and, and it is, a, it is a lie of the enemy. And so we try to get as specific as we could with some of these contracts that like Brandon said, you know, from Psalm 133, search me and know me and point out anything in me that's contrary to you and lead me in the way of life everlasting. Like that's a brave prayer. Yeah. And so the two, two of the main ones, this is by no means a comprehensive list, but this first one, a service for influence contract that, I've found this to be true in my, in my 10 years in, in the first chair of this is usually comes from people who come from church world and they, they want to influence in the church, which is good. It's great. It's a great desire to influence people and lead people, but they know how to play the game. And so it's, if I want influence, you know, if I'm, if I am faithful in the little things, God will make me rule over much. And so you go to growth track and you do the thing and you sign mm -hmm. up for the team that makes you the best. You're like, you know, you, I can carry four chairs at youth group guy. And, but it's a service for influence contract. And you have a secret contract to where if I just serve long enough, eventually I'm going to be the youth pastor. Or if I just serve, if I just do the little things long enough, eventually I'm going to be on the executive team. And then what happens in three or four or five or six or seven years of you doing the little things, and then you don't get promoted to the executive team and somebody else gets picked to be the youth pastor and or somebody Gosh. else gets the promotion that you thought you were owed, you start to get offended. And then we say things like, oh, the church just used me. The church used my gifts. The church didn't really care about me. I was just like a, a, a piece of the machine. And to be fair, there are environments and organizations where that's how they treat people. I don't want to write that off. But that's not always the case. Just because you heard somebody say that, that's not always the case. And you may be operating under a service for influence contract. 
you may be operating under, if I do the little things long enough, I'm going to get invited to all of the important meetings and I'm going to get to hold a microphone on stage. And the reality is you may never get to do any of those things. Right. And the reality is what Paul tells us in Colossians is that we do everything for our real master, who is Jesus. Your pastor mm-hmm. is not your master. Yep. He is a person. He is the under shepherd to the great shepherd and he is fallible and, and he is doing everything they can. They're doing everything they can to love you and lead you well. But if you find yourself, you know, you've, you, it's like a cyclical offense. Maybe you've been in three or four different churches in the last five, you know, 15 years, because it's about year three or four where the terms of the contract come due and they're not met. Mm. And so you move to a place that can recognize your gifts. They just didn't see my gifts. They didn't recognize the calling on my life. Mm. My friend, you may have been operating under a service for influence contract and Mm. you, it's going to lead you to cyclical offense and Mm. secret resentment. Secret contracts lead to secret resentments that -hmm. lead to cyclical offenses. And I want, I want you off that merry-go-round. You don't like it. I don't like it. Nobody likes it. That's the, that's that first Taylor. Maybe you could weigh in a bit on ways you've seen the service for influence contract play out. Yeah. So, you know, oftentimes it can be in the form of, you know, my leader is, is or my pastor. My leader is just not in my airspace enough, or I, I'm not in, I'm not meeting enough with them. I'm not um, getting enough phone calls from them, not getting enough of that personal, like one-on-one leadership with them, or they're not checking in with me enough. That's the way I've, I've kind of seen that, that play out. Um, and then, you know, when it, what, what you said a couple of years down the road, it rears its head. It's, it, it can be this big blow up of like, well, I've, I put all this time in, like I've blood, sweat and tears yeah. into this place. Like I've got skin in the game in this, you know, why don't I have a leadership role? Why don't I, why am I not a director? Why am I not here? Why am I not there? And it's just that hard conversation of like, I never, I never promised you that. Like we never, that was never spoken. Like, I'm so sorry that you have been operating underneath that expectation. And then at that point, you know, as leaders, we want to shepherd them, walk them through that and help them get to a place of health. Um, but, but living with that expectation in your heart, it's really only the only one that it hurts is you. Like you're the one that's drinking that poison um, and constantly living in a, maybe a, a space of disappointment and like, well, is it ever going to be enough? Am I ever going to be enough for these people? Am I ever going to be mm. enough for my pastor? When, it, you know, when wow. reality, like you are enough, like your worth was, was purchased on the cross, like by the blood of Jesus, like mm. your worth is yeah. not your work. Like I, yes. I can get into a whole other conversation about worth versus work. Like if you are seeing mm. your worth and what you're doing and the position that you hold at a church, you're never going to be filled. You're never going to be satisfied. Like you're never, that hunger is never going to be satiated um, or, or filled. And so, yeah, yeah, that's, that, that's my, my first reaction right. is like, where's your worth at? Your worth is not your work. Right. And uh, for those of us that have been in, ministry for a bit, by the way, I'm so excited to be 40. Cause I get to give like old person points like this. Like for those of us that are a little farther down the road, you know, like I get to say things like that. I, I sound really like old and cool. Um, uh, or maybe just, I don't know, but what I, I have experienced this exactly what you're saying, Taylor, almost like a graph of the stock market. Meaning I've had times, I've had times where I felt like my contribution 
was massive. I mean, I was always on the platform doing different things. I was, I was always in, in the center leading, you know, and my pastor was calling on me. I was, I was right there. Of course it feels great. We just love to do it. We love to add value. We love to, you know, have that flow. And then I've had times following those times where it felt like six, 12 months later, I wasn't doing any of that anymore. You know, I wasn't doing anything. And, um, I have noticed there's a constant ebb and flow. It, it's not always up and to the right, you know, like, like, like we think in our minds, I've, I've had times that felt like the wilderness and I hadn't even done something wrong. It just wasn't what the team and the house needed from me, you know, at the moment. And there's a discipline that has to kick in. I'll never forget being, being, um, let go from our staff after the 2008 downturn. And I've told that story in other podcasts for anyone who wants to go scour for that. It's one of the early, 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 early episodes, but I was let go, um, for no wrongdoing. It was financial related. And, um, it ended up being one of the greatest shifts God made in my life to move me into a new season and a new thing. But I literally went from, from having the most small groups our church has ever had you know, which was my job, small groups director, you know, leading worship, teaching multiple weekends a year, all that like slammed the needle into nothing. What I've realized looking back later is the reason my pastor did that is he was giving me space to build a new ministry. He was giving me space to, to, to build and move forward, which now I'm reaping the benefits of all that. But at the time it just felt like it felt like death, you know, if it, it felt like a wilderness and there's just a discipline that, that, has to kick in at that point. Like I didn't sign up for this to be on the stage. And if I did, it was the wrong motive. And why did I sign up to do this thing in the first place? So maybe that just gives somebody perspective that, that, that there are going to be times where you feel really used of God used by your pastor. And there's going to be times where it just feels like a wilderness. Those are all part of the game in terms of leading from the middle. It is seasonal. It is cyclical there, but there is a strength of heart that has to kick in for all of us. In those moments. Yeah. yeah. This great. this the service for influence contract too is tough as a as a leader. Um, we could do a whole nother podcast on secret contracts that pastors have with their people. That's a whole yeah. other ball game. But the 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 service for influence contract for me, um, as I've shepherded people through it, a lot of people ask questions like, what could I do better? What could I do different? And what they're asking is like, how could I do this different so I could get the promotion? And, and very often in my heart, I don't have a reason for them. There's just a check in my spirit about the person. And I don't know what it is, Yeah. but I just like, there's, there's just a check there about them. And, but what scripture tells us in, in Proverbs and elsewhere is that, you know, we, we, what we see with our eyes is like someone's actions, but God, God discerns the heart. Right. And so you might be doing all the right things. And based on everything I'm seeing, you check all the boxes, but there's something in my spirit. That it is like, oh, I can't make that person a leader right now. And they're like, why? Just, I, I just, I'm not. And what I've come to learn is, is, is that maybe the motive of their heart for doing all the right things is improper and will be poisonous down the road. And, and so you might be doing all the right things and still not getting it. And, and you might want to ask yourself the question, am I operating under a service for influence contract? And then if your pastor says, I wish I could give you a reason. I just don't know than to trust. And it is so hard. Yeah. It is so hard, but to trust that they love you 
They're trying to shepherd you well and bring the best out of you that they can. So very well said, guys. And um, I could talk to you for hours about it, but there's one more secret contract we want to get to today. It's really important, really big deal. We're just going to go gut punch to gut punch. How about that? Um, this last one we want to unpack, and Josh, I'm coming back to you, is the Be My Dad contract. And um, man, this is crucial for someone to understand. Josh, what, what is the Be My Dad secret contract? Yeah, this one, I'm going to, there's probably a lot of people operating under this contract and they don't know it. And so I'm always um, very delicate. This is a really relational conversation. And there are people in my church that um, I've identified, you know, for, for Taylor, maybe like a be my mom contract. Cause we've talked about this mm-hmm. a little bit, but the be my dad contract where, and a lot of what we were talking about in the last one, it kind of bleeds over that the be my dad contract is that you didn't have a great relationship with your father. And if you're not careful, like we all need affirmation from a father mm-hmm. and we need love and guidance and care. But there's this secret contract that people, in my experience, take out with their leader called the Be My Dad contract. And the Be My Dad contract looks like, I'm going to be here and I'm going to serve. I'm going to be part of this church, but I need you to come to my baseball games. Yeah. And I need you to tell me that I'm doing a good job and that you're proud of me and that I'm special. And the reality is, you probably are doing a really good job mm-hmm. and your pastor loves you a lot and you are fearfully and wonderfully made and you are slaying it. But there have been times in our church, I can, I can think of specific people who are still part of our church today and they're better for it, where I looked them in the face and I said, I'm not going to tell you good job for a very long time mm-hmm. because, because I'm not your dad. I cannot be your father. Mm. Um, that if you're not careful, you build the terms of this contract to where it's just going to be this, this, this caricature that you built of the kind of dad that you want, which is very real. That's like a child's desire, Mm. but it gets to this point to where if your pastor does not, or your leader does not fulfill the terms of that contract, and maybe they violate the terms of the contract by correcting you. Yeah. They bring correction. They bring discipline, which is what a father does. Right, right, right. But it it violates the terms of, no, I don't want you to correct me like that. And then then it violates the terms of the contract. You were supposed to be my buddy. You were supposed to come to my games. You were supposed to come to my birthday. I was supposed to get invited to your birthday. You're supposed to text me every day. Mm -hmm. You're supposed Mm -hmm. to check in on me. And all those things are very real needs that a person has. But I don't just want to run to the cliche your father is in heaven, but it's a cliche for a reason. Yeah. It's that your father is in heaven. And, and like Taylor said, your work is not your worth. Your worth is firmly founded at the foot of the cross. Mm -hmm. And he sent his son to die for you and shed his blood. And I love the picture of Jesus getting baptized at the beginning of his ministry, where before he ever lifted a ministerial finger, the father in heaven said, this is my beloved son in whom yeah, I am well totally pleased. Approved. Yep. And if, yep. and if you are operating under a be my dad contract, COVID really brought it out. I promise. Mm-hmm. 
-hmm. because your pastor and your leaders were running around like chickens with their heads cut off, trying to lead through a global pandemic and race riots and isolation. And, and here's what I know to be true. I wish, and I probably always will. I wish I had done a better job at caring for the people around me. Like that's mm -hmm. a takeaway from me from this season. Yeah, for sure. But we were doing everything we could to, to try to yeah. keep preaching the gospel. And if you were operating under a Be My Dad contract, COVID brought it out. And, yeah. I, and I would ask you to search your heart and to forgive. This is the work of personal forgiveness, to forgive your leader. They did what they could. It, they, were, they were trying to love the whole church as much as they mm -hmm. could. And then I would ask you to go to the foot of the cross and thank the Father in heaven for, for being your father. And, and maybe tear up that contract and let that person yeah. off the hook. Cause your, your pastor and your leader can never, can never be that for you. You know, it's, it's, it's so sensitive and so important. And, um, one of the major reasons I advocate for every leader being in counseling, because we all have, um, deep seated things we need to work through and it's important for us to work through. And this, this for many people is that, and so we don't make light of it in any way. Um, but, but I, but I will, I will say going back to COVID, um, it, I, I absolutely see what you're talking about. And, you know, my pastor, there was a period of months I didn't see him, you know, other than on a few zoom calls here or there, I mean months. And it's like, if that was there, that was going to come out. But, you know, you know, um, Josh and Taylor, something I felt like the Lord impressed upon my heart at some point during last year, just in my own wrestling and moving through the season is I felt like, and this is before we ever had these conversations, but I felt like God had put on my heart to become a father. Now, obviously we're pregnant. I'm not referring to that. You know, I, I have a daughter already. I'm not referring to that. I love them with all my heart. But I actually felt like God was whispering to me like a version of stop looking for a father and start being one and a spiritual father. And that like that's that was one of the things I've not really said this to very many people, but one of the things our ministry leading second was supposed to do was supposed to be a father voice, not not to not to take that place in any way, shape or form, but to be that kind of a voice. In other words, don't worry about receiving it obsess over how you can provide, you know, some of those moments and wisdom, uh, for others. And I found tremendous health and just getting my eyes off of anything that I needed, finding my approval in Christ and actually flipping it and say, I want to, I'm going to go out and be this to somebody today. It was actually that that was the point of my freedom was the point of me saying, I woke up today to invest into somebody. I woke up today to correct somebody. I, I woke up today to do that. Uh, and, and that rather than looking for it, focusing on giving it was, it was just a major breakthrough for me. So, so some, somebody else, your journey may be a bit different, but I think being able to identify this is really important. Now there's one nuance though I want to bring up and, and I think this is important. I have referred to my pastors for years as my spiritual dad and spiritual mom, you know, spiritual father. I, I have said that for years and actually I have found that to be a very healthy relationship, but talk to us for just a minute about the difference between having a healthy spiritual father, spiritual mother in the church and having spiritual daddy issues. Cause I think those are two different things. 
uh, what you're talking about here, the secret contract of looking for something to be my dad versus, versus having a healthy spiritual father relationship with your pastor. Maybe just talk about the nuance between those two. I, I think a lot of the difference between, like you said, Brian, I think it's great language, having a spiritual father and, and having spiritual daddy issues. There's a big difference in, you know, I don't want to make light of it. It's just the best language that we have. We, when we say daddy issues, right. we all know what we're talking about. And to me, it comes down to the personal health of the quote unquote child. Like if somebody has real deficits, father deficits, then I, I hesitate toward being everything they think I should be to them. Um, there's going to be a lot of things that I cannot, I cannot make up for 15 years worth of X, Y, Z thing, but somebody who is, who is personally healthy and you can get there. If you're someone who, who has uh, dad issues like that, and you're operating going to be my dad contract, you can get healthy to where you have a healthy relationship with a spiritual father or spiritual mother. For me, it comes down to the personal health of the person that if somebody doesn't need me to be their father, that's, that's, that is the kind of person, because I know I'm going to let them down. I promise mm-hmm. as friend and pastor and boss to Taylor, I am going to let her down. I probably let her down this morning and it's only 1130 on the West Coast. I probably did something, you know, or something in the last week, um, you know, as Taylor likes to say, if I led this church by myself, it would be Woodstock. <laughs> and if she led it by herself, it would be a concentration camp. And so we, we balance <laughs> each other out. Um, but I feel good investing into, and I feel like it's a good investment of my time um, to, to pour into healthy people as a father because they are healthy. And so this is really what we started this talking about personal health, your personal health in relationship with your pastors and your leaders. Um, and so Taylor, maybe you could talk a little bit about being personal. I know you're very passionate about personal health. Yeah. Just stemming off of what you just said, pastor Josh, with the difference between, you know, the, the spiritual father, spiritual mother, whatever, and the daddy issue type conversation. I think it also is a lot of it's wrapped up in identity where, where is your identity rooted wow. in and then where are you, where are you seeking affirmation from? Um, where are you, are you listening Brilliant. for applause from people around you? Or are you looking up to the cross for your identity and your, your affirmation? And that rolls right into my, my first, you know, thing that I'm, I'm really big on. And we're all aware of this. We all know this. This is not anything new to any of any of the, you know, second chair leaders here, but first and foremost, like you have to have a daily pursuit of Jesus. Cause that is where your identity comes yeah, from. That is where your course. affirmation comes from. Um, that is how you keep those daddy issues at bay is you, you keep yourself firmly planted and rooted at the foot of the cross every single day. And you are, you Mm. are on your knees, you are in your prayer closet, whatever that looks like for you, staying connected to the vine, like and growing those roots strong. Like I said, this isn't new or anything, but it's so important. Like I felt like I just, I have to bring it up because that's where, I mean, you got to keep yourself kingdom centered, kingdom mindset, kingdom focused, um, ask God to, to renew your passion for his a love for his word and studying and reading scripture. Um, that is first and foremost, where I feel like health is rooted is, is just like your identity is rooted in the foot of the cross yes. and the person of Jesus, the, you know, the, the blood of Jesus. And so that's like, that's my big one. And you know, every you know leader is going to say, well, duh, obviously, but why is it so hard? You know, why is it such a, 
almost like a, there's a gap there for so many leaders. It was like, that, that's a struggle. Um, and so for me, it's just asking God every day, you know, Psalm 133, search me and know me, like renew a right spirit within me, God, um, asking God to help you work through and tear down some of those secret contracts. And so that's, that's that first one. The second one in a way that I has helped me, you know, tear up my secret own secret contracts in my own heart and, and build health in myself is to not make assumptions of other people, especially, you know, my leaders, my pastor, when I start making assumptions of pastor Josh's intent toward me or toward the church or toward whatever, that's really dangerous. That's really, really sticky situations that you're getting yourself into there. Um, because you're, you might be believing a narrative and creating a narrative about your leader that just might not be true. And so if you start, um, assuming intentions and assuming uh, implying motive, what you mentioned before, you know, Brandon, gosh, like the only person that hurt that that hurts is you. This is the toxicity of social media in this, in this climate is implying motive for, for, for me, for me to make my point, I have to project on you a motive that makes you lesser than me, worse than me. So assuming and implying is it's, um, I just keep coming back to judge, judge, not lest you be judged. And, and, um, you know, everybody, yeah, I, I could say a million things about that, but implying motive. Um, I think it's, it, that's one of the big guardrails we have to have on our lives. Yeah. Cause you, you start painting pictures of, of people in your mind and then you start applying that picture, that filter of them in every situation. If they say one thing, you're going to run it through, you're going to run it through that filter. And then all of a sudden everything they, they do, they, they, how they act, how they behave, how they interact with you, how you, how you notice them interacting with others, confirmation bias starts kicking in. And then every little thing you do is just confirming that contract, confirming that secret contract in your mind, confirming that filter that you're viewing them through, you just get more hurt. And you, and then that, that bitterness, that resentment starts to build up and you're just, no, we don't, no one wants that for you. Your pastor doesn't want that for you. Leaders don't want that for you. And so you really have to fight for this, like fight to, um, to have good assumptions, um, to have pure assumptions of others. And this rolls in you know, into the thought of believing the best in other people, believing the best in your leader and in your pastor. Uh, I love this quote so much by Charles Spurgeon. It would be better to be deceived a thousand times than to live a life of suspicion. So good. God, I'm okay with being deceived because I'd rather, um, I'd rather just not live with suspicion in my mind and in my heart. Um, and then that goes right into second Corinthians six eleven. Paul is encouraging the Corinthian church. Like I have just, I've been wanting you, encouraging you to enter this wide open spacious life. We didn't fence you in the smallness you feel comes from within you. Comes from your within lives you. aren't small, but you're living yeah. them in a small way. I'm speaking as plainly as I can with great affection. Open up your lives. Gosh, I love this. Open up your lives, live openly and live expansively. Um, and so to me, a couple of my daily prayers, God, help me to believe the best in my pastor today. Help me to believe the best about Pastor Josh and Carly. Help me to believe the best about my team um, and help me to to not uh, imply motive on people um, rather than implying motive and assume, making assumptions of people. God, help give me the boldness to, to have a conversation, to call them up and say, hey, 
when you said this, this is what I heard. And I don't believe that about you. Will you help me understand what you meant when you said this? Like, help me. I, I want mm, clarity. I'm going to seek clarity, like seek clarity in, in whatever way you can Just say, help me understand. Cause I don't feel like I'm interpreting this right. And I really want to get this right with you. Cause I love you. Help me, help me see this better. So, so good, man. This has been really rich guys. And I have one more question We've already talked way too long, but I could talk for another hour, I, I feel like, on this subject. Um, and maybe we'll do that sometime. What does a great secret contract sound like? Like, if you're going to have a contract in your heart toward your church and toward your pastor, like, what what would that language sound like? I, I've been thinking that as we're talking. Like, I, like I know for me, um, I'm going to serve in my church until God moves me. Like this is the number one question I ask leaders. A lot of times when they want to transition, I I try to fish out is anything driving this other than God other, you know, so, and just, I think there are some good contracts we can come to in our heart. Um, what would maybe those sound like to you guys? If you were to write a new one over your heart, what would your heart, I guess, want to say about this? Well, I mean, I, that's a great question. And I could say when I've been trying to <clears throat> coach our staff through um, in this season, I know there's probably a lot of church staff, both paid and volunteer. I mean, probably listening to this. And so one of the, one of the contracts that, you know, I said we could do a, a whole other podcast about contracts pastors have with their churches <laughs> because there's tons of them and it's making you mad at your people. But the, um, the contract that I'm trying to have and trying to coach us through is to remind us that we exist for the people. Mm-hmm. And it's in the reason that I get, that I get to pay my mortgage with the paycheck I get from this church is because the people are here. Yeah. And if you're not careful in leadership, especially in 2020, it was really easy to take an us versus them mentality, us versus the people we're out here grinding don't they know what we're trying to do for them? And all they're doing is texting and emailing that they're upset and this, and it's really easy to get an us versus them mentality. And that's just not the case. That's what the enemy wants. And so to have a contract with your church that I am here to serve you and love you, and I'm going to have fistfuls of grace and thimbles full of correction Mm -hmm. in this season and, and to be patient and, um, that's a great question. You caught me off guard with that, but that's what comes to mind. Um, I love catching you off guard. It's my favorite thing to do in life. Taylor, anything to add before we land the plane? Yeah, I would say one thing Pastor Josh encouraged our staff with yesterday was uh, just to, to have a thick skin and a soft heart, maybe rewrite your contracts with with that in mind, like having a thick skin, being unoffendable. Um, letting things just roll off your back that really don't need to stick to you, um, having a thick skin in that way, but also with the caveat as of, of having a soft heart, you know, not letting your, your heart harden towards, towards people and towards people you lead towards your leaders. Um, and so, yeah, that was, that was a big one for me. Like, don't let every little thing offend you, like believe the best about people, don't assume the worst in people. Um, remind yourself, this is part of having a thick skin. Remind yourself that not everyone's out to get you. Most people really do love <laughs> you and, and, and want the best for you and believe the best 
for you. And so, and be willing to ask yourself, am I allowing, am I allowing my heart to harden toward people praying that God would give you just thick, thick skin and a soft heart toward, toward people in your church and in your, in your circles. Really beautiful guys. And, um, for anyone listening today, we just want to see you go the distance. You know, we, we just want to see you run strong for a really long time. That was one of the words the Lord gave me over leading second, right? When I got the vision to start this was that just want to help some leaders not quit and stay in the game and, and be standing. And no doubt this is a virus. This is something that we are, you're bound to encounter at some point in your ministry. Um, and maybe today's conversation has helped a bit to give us some handles and to boost our immune system, if so to speak. But hey, I love you guys so much. Thank you for um, your perspective today, for your wisdom today. Uh, Taylor, put you on the spot. Will you pray over any leader that's going to listen to this in the future that hung around almost an hour into a podcast uh, who's still listening right now? Will you pray over them as we as we close out today? Well, Father, thank you so much for this time that we've had to just pour into the lives of second chair leaders today, just trying to get it right for their church, trying to get it right for their pastor. Lord, I pray these words would just be seeds sown into, into soil, um, rich soil, ready to receive God, that you would just produce a, a harvest and a fruit of growth and health um, in the lives of these leaders, Lord. Um, God, that they would have the boldness to ask you to help them reveal some secret contracts maybe and help them tear up these secret contracts that they might be holding in their minds. God, um, I thank you so much for um, just the bravery that it might take to, to go down this route, God, um, that you are walking with our, these leaders every step of the way, giving them um, the guidance, direction, empowering them by the power of your Holy Spirit, God, to to have hard conversations, to break down secret contracts, Lord. And um, I just thank you, God, for this time. Um, thank you for all the leaders listening in today. Um, just continue to encourage them, bless them, be with them, Lord. Um, we ask this um, in your name, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Love you guys. Amen. Thanks. information, check out leadingsecond.com. Follow us on Instagram at leadingsecond and join us on the Leading Second Collective on Facebook.